Hey everybody, welcome to Encuentro. Today is the solemnity of the Annunciation of our Lord. Let's begin with a prayer of St. Francis. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, make me a means of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. With a sadness, let me bring joy. Divine Master, grant that I may seek not so much to be consoled, but to console. Not so much to be understood, but to understand. Not so much to be loved, but to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in forgiving that we are forgiven. And it is in dying to ourselves that we are born to eternal life. Amen. The reading for the solemnity we celebrate today is taken from the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 1, verse 26 to 38. The angel Gabriel was sent from God to a town of Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name is Mary. And coming to her, he said, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at what was said, and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of David his father, and he will rule over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. But Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I have no relations with a man? And the angel said to her in reply, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible for God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. And the angel left her. Now, it was in the rarefied academic environment of the theology faculty at the uh, Catholic University of Louvain in, in Belgium that I first encountered a phrase many years ago as a student that's become stuck in, in my head. Uh, I heard it from one of the professors uh, in one of our theology classes. And he said, Mary's life is a footnote to Jesus, her son. Mary's life is a footnote to Jesus, her son. You know, a footnote, of course, is that small print uh, that you see at the, the bottom of a, of a page of a book or a text, you know. It's usually an explanation of the larger print. So, you know, uh, it tells you where the, the larger print comes from or it explains something about the larger print. That's why it's called a fine print, you know. It's usually found at the bottom of a page. You know, something that uh, that's usually passed by. We barely notice it. We 
you know, we rarely pay attention to it. You know, we pay attention to the, the text on the page. The footnotes, from time to time, you know, we, we take a look at them. Uh, so they're barely noticed, you know, if we notice them at all. Mary's life, said, you know, one of our professors, is a footnote to Jesus, her son. First time I, I heard uh, I heard that that phrase that sentence actually, I remember feeling uneasy, you know, having a devotion to the Mother of God. I I found it quite perplexing. I mean, how could the woman who gave birth to the Son of God be just a footnote? You know, how could the Blessed Mother simply be a footnote? Eventually, it did become a source of much reflection. Uh, as well as uh, growth in my understanding of the Blessed Mother herself, you know, the role she plays in the life of the Church, and the meaning she has for my life as a man, you know, back then as a seminarian, and, and later on as a priest. You know, after much discussion concerning the place and role of, of Mary in the life of the Church, the, the Fathers of the Second Vatican Council chose to connect discussion on the Blessed Virgin to the document on the Church. You know, at the end of uh, uh, the dogmatic constitution on the Church, you know, entitled Lumen Gentium, we find uh, a treatment on the role of the Blessed Mother in the life of the Church. Was that to make Mary simply a footnote to the mystical body of her son? Was that the purpose of them putting her at the end of the document in the church? Perhaps it would be good to understand uh, what a footnote really is and what it's meant to do. This is actually one of those things that I learned, a valuable lesson I learned as a student uh, at uh, the university, uh, the Catholic University uh, in Louvain. You know, as a student there, one thing I learned from my my very scholarly professors uh, was that one should never take footnotes for granted. You know, one should never take footnotes for granted. They would always say that, never take the footnotes for granted. And the surprising thing is, uh, my professors, you know, would always tell us to pay as much attention, sometimes even more attention, to the fine print. You know, uh, because the footnotes they would always say, are just as important. The footnotes are just as important. Um, In fact, my very first exam question, I remember, the very first exam I took was about a footnote. You know, the one and only chance we students at that university uh, had of passing, you know, our 15-minute oral exam, uh, you know, was to be able to answer the questions that the professors ask. And, and for me, the one and only chance I had of passing my 15-minute oral exam depended on a footnote, you know, uh, footnote 72, as a matter of fact, you know, uh, on page 30 of the course notes that had hundreds and hundreds of footnotes and hundreds and hundreds of pages. You know, I sat there in front of the professor, and of course, I had prepared, you know, for weeks for uh, this particular exam. Uh, it was a it was an exam on the sacraments, and as I sat there in front of the professor, uh, waiting for for him to ask me, uh, you know, a, a question. You know, you get to prepare 
uh, your answers to questions that are given to you beforehand, but then once you've given your answers, they ask you follow-up questions. And the follow-up questions were, uh, were a lot of times more important and also more nerve-wracking you know, than the, 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 the earlier questions that they give you. And so as I sat there in front of him, he looks at me. He was a very kind man, but he looks at me and he says, can you please tell me what is footnote 72? As so I was thinking to myself, oh my God, there's hundreds upon hundreds of footnotes in hundreds upon hundreds of pages, and you ask me what is footnote 72? What is footnote 72? So I said, could you give me a couple, couple minutes, a couple seconds? And so I, I was thinking there, what is footnote 72? What is footnote 72? Mind you, I did really study hard, you know. Suddenly I remembered. And I blurted it out. I said, it's Sunday, the eighth day, the day outside time, the Lord's day. That was footnote 72. And so I passed. I got a good grade, in fact. And it was the only follow-up question that the professor asked. I was so nervous. You know, it was a, it was a nightmare, footnote 72. But that nightmare of an exam opened my eyes to something important. You know, we've all heard the expression, read the fine print, you know, read the fine print. The footnote, the fine print, tells you a whole lot about the larger text, just as Mary tells us a whole lot about Jesus, her son. The tree is known by its fruit. The faithfulness and trust in the Father's will that Jesus shows throughout his life could not but be somehow, you know, somehow, a fruit of the same faithfulness and trust that his mother showed when Gabriel uttered those eternal words, You shall conceive and bear a son. The yes that Mary uh, gave to God's invitation in the gospel reading is a perfect mirror image of the words that Jesus himself will speak at the Garden of Gethsemane. Not mine, but your will be done. And it is in this that Mary's greatness lies, you know, a greatness that shines forth in her littleness, in her faith, in her trust in the Father's will and in the Father's promise. You know, that, that kind of obedience, no matter how difficult it can sometimes be, is a path towards genuine happiness. And yes, it's also a way towards greatness. And not the greatness and importance that the world knows, but the way of greatness that we see in both Jesus and his mother. It's a path of littleness. It's a path of humility. It's a path of trust and fidelity to God's will. It's truly the path of the seemingly insignificant footnote. This kind of fidelity and faithfulness, however, is, is never a one-time affair. You know, instead, it's something that we build up day by day, hour by hour, and it's never finished. Because we are constantly being called to live lives that are worthy of our calling as Christians. 
worthy of our vocation, you know, whatever that vocation might be. Mary, who is sometimes referred to as the omnipotent on bended knee, you know, uh, may be no more than a little footnote you know, to the larger text, which is Jesus, her son. But in that littleness, in that humility, in that trust in the Father's will, Mary became part of something that was larger than herself. It was Mary's calling. It is ours as well.